You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Honestly, like, I, I think I'm friends with absolutely every single American player. I, I know a lot of the foreign players. Like, I'm on the advisory board, so a lot of girls can come up to me and feel like they can talk to me about whatever it is that they might be feeling. So that's really rewarding, especially because, you know, we are, we're all trying to compete. So when they feel like that they can talk to me and all that stuff, and that's really great. And um, I think that there's definitely some camaraderie for sure. Hey everyone, John Worth, I'm here. It's this week's Beyond the Baseline SI Tennis Podcast. We have a player guest this week, Irina Falcone, an American who won the first title of her career last weekend in Bogota that coincided with an earthquake in Ecuador, her country of birth, just a few hundred miles away. So it was a busy week for her, and she has since flown to Madrid. So uh, this will be a week she'll remember. She was kind enough to spend a half hour or so with us. Very entertaining conversation. Seems like the kind of person we would all want to be friends with. So uh, let's go to her now in Madrid. Marina Falcone, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, thanks. You are. Uh, we're getting you in Madrid. So you have many That's weeks to play in Europe. Good for you. That's right. This is going to be the first one of the European swing. So uh, I arrived yesterday. Uh, was a little bit jet lagged. I think I went to sleep at uh, around 7:45 and slept for about 13 hours. So feeling much fresher today. I need to sleep for 13 hours. You just won. We'll talk about it in a bit. You just won your first title a few days ago in Bogota. Did did you get to go home or did you go right to Europe from from South America? I did get to go home for about a week and then um, I was off. Uh, Madrid starts uh, on Friday here, so. I wanted to really get that time change and get acclimatized and all all that stuff. So yeah, it's um, we're here now, and hopefully we don't go for a while. <laughs> I won't go back home for a while. That's what I mean. I was gonna say the uh, the, the second week of the French Open is uh, the, the the second week of June. So if you went home uh, 
about June 3rd, June 4th. That would that'd probably be good for you. Um, yes, that would be really good. So, so I, I was thinking before before we called you up, I was thinking we, we've talked to rookies. We had Taylor Fritz um, maybe a few months ago. We, we've talked to veterans. We've talked to you know, Agassi and retired players. Not, not a lot of players are sort of right smack in the middle of their careers. You turned 26 in a few weeks. Um, yeah, well, in, in a week, yeah. Happy birthday a little early. You could do worse than uh, <laughs> you, you could do worse than celebrating your birthday in Madrid, um, but what, what's it like? I mean, what's your existence like? Sort of, you're you're, you're not necessarily the, the veteran thinking about what comes next, but you're not a rookie anymore. I mean, what's what's it like to be smack dab in the middle of a professional tennis career? Yeah, I mean, this will be um, I think my sixth full year as a pro, and it's funny because a lot of people do consider me a, a veteran. Uh, and then there's some people that are like, oh, you know, you still have like 10 years on you because, you know, everyone's getting a little older and playing a little longer. So I think this is a, it's a, been a really interesting road because, um, you know, I've definitely had the ups and downs. I've had some success. I've had uh, some, you know, dwindling roads where I don't even know if, how I'm going to come back. But I always manage. And, um, yeah, I mean, Right now, I'm feeling like really healthy. I'm really enjoying the game. Obviously, winning does help. But um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I'm definitely experienced to say the least. You know, I've actually spoken with a few players, and uh, I'm constantly they're constantly telling me they're like, "Oh wow, we should hang out with you more. You know so much." And you know, they've been on the on the road on the road and uh, on the tour longer than me. So it goes to show that I do have some experience under my belt. <laughs> I was thinking too. You you might get some years on the back end because you uh, you played college tennis too. We've been talking about the sort of the renaissance of college tennis in, in the men's game. Uh, you know, John Isner and Kevin Anderson sort of go down the list. We don't hear it as much in the women's game, but you uh, you are a college tennis veteran. Right. I um, I went to Georgia Tech for two years. Unfortunately, I decided to go pro after that, but. Uh, I'll actually be finishing my degree online uh, through Indiana University at the end of this year. I'll you be a college graduate at the end of this year. So um, that's been something else, you know, to, to have to juggle along with a career. But, you know, there's definitely been quite a few girls that are um, really pursuing the pro-life after college, which has been really exciting. You know, it gets us talking more about college tennis and how beneficial it can be. I think we're going to claim you as, as an Indiana alum pretty soon. Uh, is it the same program <clears throat> Venus did? Correct. That's great. Is, is that through the tour, or is that something you discovered uh, on, online yourself? It is through the tour. Um, on, uh, if you're a full member, if you're a player on the tour, you get um, 50% off, and then if you get a C or better, you can get 75% off your tuition. So that's a really good deal. <laughs> You don't even have to worry about getting up early for class. Um, that's always seventy-five percent off tuition. Seventy-five percent off tuition is uh, that—that's nothing to sneeze at. How, how did you end up at Georgia Tech? Uh, well, it's a—it's a bit of a funny story. I um, when I was fifth, when I was like sixteen, I went with an old coach of mine and uh, my best friend, who who actually went to UCLA. Her name is Nina Pantic, who's actually a writer for Tennis Magazine. We went and we visited uh, Georgia Tech because my coach at the time, he's like, you know what, I want you girls to go and like uh, visit this campus. You know, they just won NCAAs, and I want you guys to decide whether or not college is the way you want to go or do you want to go pro because I was 
in an environment at that time where college was just like, oh, wow, you have really failed as a tennis player. So we were, you know, went into this college visit really not thinking much of it. But I met Brian Shelton at like 6.30 a.m. It was still dark outside. And uh, we just pretty much um, talked a little bit about school. We ta- He talked to us about, you know, what it's like to be at Georgia Tech. And um, he went and um, went on with his life. I went on with my life. And, you know, I, I thought, I was like, um, if I ever go to college, it's going to be with him. But that'll be down the road. I don't really want to go to college, blah, blah. Fast forward 10 months, I was playing in Houston against um, – a college player at the time, Naz Morand, and we had like the craziest match ever. It was like 06-60-06. And I lost the match. I called my mom. I was like, Mom, I'm going to college. Like, I'm done with this. So I talked to my friend Nina, and she's like, so what are you going to do? And I was like, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I'm going to write to a few schools. And she's like, what about Georgia Tech? And I was like, oh, I thought they were like all settled. I thought they had all their plays. And she's like, no, no, no. Rebecca Marino has decided to go pro. So five minutes later, I sent an email to Brian Shelton. I was like, hey, coach, you know, I don't know if you remember me. My name is Irina and I visited your school last year. And I don't really know how this works, but I want to come to school hopefully in, you know, this coming semester, which is in two months. So let me know what you think if you have a spot and he responded literally two minutes later he's like okay let's do it you know we have to get you accepted we have to go through this process we're going to have to hurry and two months later i was at georgia tech campus that's great that's uh i just have rebecca marino who you referenced a uh, former wta player actually a great story on her uh she's now rowing I, we'll we'll post that when we uh, post this podcast. We should also Brian Shelton, the coach, was a um, a, a credible, great ATP player for uh, for several years. I think in the late '80s and in early '90s. So he was he was the coach that you ended up playing for at, at Georgia Tech for both years. Yes, he was the coach, and um, yeah, he had a heck of a kick serve. I just I remember it just going over my head every single time we practiced together. But um, yeah, he. Um, He's great. I'm actually still in contact with him. His family was in Miami and came and saw my matches um, during the Miami Open. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're a fantastic family. They're, he's a fantastic coach, and he's doing great things at the U.S. program right now for the men's team. Arena Falcone, Chris Bosch, Calvin Johnson, those are some Georgia Tech athletic alumni. Uh, hey, everyone, the NFL draft is finally here, and SI has a new mini-series that takes you much deeper than any big board does. Listen to draft season. Each pick is a player. Each player has a story, and we tell those stories. The latest episode features former Penn State quarterback Christian Hackenberg, and depending on when you're listening to this, there may even be a newer version up, but these players talk about their experiences, the draft process, the meat market that is the combine, you can check their status, of course, on SI.com's draft board this weekend. Find draft season on iTunes, Google Play Music, or at SI.com backslash draft season. What, what, what's your backstory? I mean, we're, you know, I feel like Mark Marin here. Like, what, what do your folks do? How did you get into tennis? What, what's, where, where do you come from? Who are you? Well, um, I come, I was born in Ecuador. Right. And, uh, I don't know, I'm sure you've heard the, the earthquake that uh, happened recently was actually um, 
in my hometown. It affected my my uh, childhood home, and my childhood home is destroyed now. It's no longer there. And um, when I was three years old, I moved to New York City with my parents, and we happened to find this apartment building in front of nine public tennis courts in Inwood Park. And uh, my dad taught himself how to play, taught my mom, taught my older sister who played at Brown University, and then he taught myself. And uh, it just stuck. We uh, went to practice every single day. You know, he would come from Connecticut every single day after a hard days of work. He's a custom woodworker. And, uh, you know, I, I would be dead tired from school, and he'd be like, let's go. Let's go hit balls. And, you know, there was definitely a time in my life where I hated tennis. and was like I want nothing to do with it. And that was uh, precisely when I was, like, around 14, you know, uh, the <laughs> epitome of being a teenager right. and um he came to florida he went to florida and was gonna look you know for for a new house for us and all that stuff and uh in those three months that he went i actually really found you know the love for the sport i realized i was like wow i really do enjoy doing this and i would go and play every single day uh without him having to push me and then we moved to florida we moved to uh Palm Beach, actually in Jupiter, Florida, about 10 minutes away from where Venus and Serena live. And uh, I was in a public court, you know, once again, and um, this young boy, he happened to see me play. He's like, you know, you really should come to meet Brenda Schultz-McCarthy. At the time, I didn't know she was a former top 10 player and, uh, you know, started um, hitting and and she's like, all right, you know, you you definitely should come and train with us. And so I did that for about four years and like I said we were going back and forth with going pro the go to college and all that stuff and so I decided on the college route and then um went to Brian and then here I am <laughs> look at you now you um you you won your first title last week in, in Bogota but you you mentioned this already that you know what one country away I don't know a few, a few hundred miles away uh that was concurrent with an earthquake in your home town i imagine that was quite an emotional week uh you're, you're you're coming off of right now yeah it was uh it was definitely something um the saturday that it happened uh you know i get a text message from my mom she's like hey um quick question has there been anything like any anything that's happened today in Colombia?" and she was referring to if maybe we got some sort of you know aftermath or if the earthquake was big enough to reach Colombia, and I was like no what are you talking about and uh, she tried not to you know she didn't say much she was like oh you know there's just an earthquake in, in Ecuador and I didn't think much of it and then after my semis match you know I found out oh there's you know more than 200 people dead and you know I was worried because my dad had just was literally like driving towards that city and uh, I had plans for him to come to my uh, finals match, but because the roads were so bad, it was going to be impossible for him to get there. So, uh, so, so your yeah, dad, your was, dad was uh, in. It was pretty traumatic, especially after the finals. You know, like the the reporters are asking me, they're like, "So, what do you have to say, you know, to the people of Ecuador?" I'm like, "I'm not gonna." anything regarding my title you know my title seems so insignificant compared to what's going on over there and granted you know you have to acknowledge that you know you did get a title you did something really great but at the end of the day you know there's so much other stuff happening in your hometown so it was um it's quite emotional to say the least 
Is there anything more annoying than sports media members asking you ridiculous questions, uh, trying to twin <laughs> sports? It sounds like Draymond Green, and I don't know if you've seen that video. Uh, you're, you're trying to twin human tragedy with, uh, with hitting a ball over a net. But did, did you make it to, I, I know your dad was there. Did, did, you act, did you end up eventually getting to, to Ecuador, or was it just too hard because of the, the roads? Uh, no, 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 no. I wanted my dad to come to Colombia to see my final, but I wasn't going to go to Ecuador just because I knew how bad everything was there. But um, thankfully, uh, after the match and after I kept hearing more and more about it, I was like, you know, I have to do something. So I uh, decided with my boyfriend to set up a GoFundMe account to, uh, you know, to raise money. And uh, the goal was to get $5,000, and once we got that, I would match it with $5,000 of my own to help victims and families over there. And um, I think we're at, like, $4,400, so we're we're almost there. And, um, yeah, it, it's been amazing to see, you know, the amount of people that have donated and have sent really great messages. You know, every little bit helps, and uh, it's been really nice to see the outreach. We will see to it you hit 5,000. We will, we will guarantee that you hit 5,000. But did you also, I, I saw this on social media a few days ago, did, you were going to donate your racket and I think the shoes you, you were wearing on court yes, when you won the title? Um, correct. The, the person that donated the most was going to get my uh, shoes and the rackets that I used to win Bogota. Yes. Hey, everyone. On his podcast, On the Clock, Sports Illustrated's Chris Burke has been tracking the NFL draft every single week for the entire college and pro season. Now it is finally here. We have our six rounds of selections. It's all been leading up to this moment. For the hardcore draft fans, you can't miss these final episodes. Search for On the Clock on iTunes, Stitcher, and now on Google Play Music. You mentioned your boyfriend. How, yes. how, do, you, how do you have one of those with uh, with the schedule you, uh, you lead? How, do, how does that work exactly? Well, it works really well when he's able to travel with me as much as he can. Um, you know, it's um, I've talked about him before in a sense that he's just he just makes my life easier. Uh, you know, if I have a hard day at practice, you know, I'll just text him and be like, okay, like I'll be home and I'll be at the hotel in 15 minutes. And sure enough, you know, he's got my protein shake, you know, my recovery pants that I use, and like a bath running for me. So those kind of things, you know, they go a long way, especially when you're on the road so much. And if I'm home only like 15 weeks out of the year, you know, any time I get to be with him, it really does help. Um, and any time I get to be away from my family, you know, it kind of compensates that a little bit. So, it's, I mean, he's been a godsend for sure. And um, it's funny because today he's not here in Madrid right now. He's planning on coming soon, but I've already given him so much heck. I was like... <laughs> You need to get your butt over. You know, like, what are you doing? He, he, we should add too. I mean, he he was an elite athlete as well, so he probably has a heightened sense of uh, what, what you're going through physically and, and spiritually. Um, is he still competing as a boxer? Yes, he um, he's planning to have a few more fights, not too many. Um, his goal is to be on the same card as his brother, who's undefeated right now. Uh, so we're just, I told him that he has to plan it around to when I can actually come during the European swing. It's kind of difficult. I was going to so say, I told uh, him that, November, you know, he should December. try and arrange, you know, Madison Square Garden during the U.S. Open. No problem. <laughs> that you, that you could get to. 
How did, did you yeah, watch I mean, it? Do you watch him so fight? So easy, so easy. I, I can't imagine. Uh, we, we were, I don't know if you. We had Judy Murray on last week, and she was talking about how even at this stage in the game, it's hard for her to watch her kids. I could not imagine mm-hmm. watching a family member compete in sports uh, when there was an element of pain and, and violence. Can, can can you watch him? Can you watch him fight, or are you just like, listen, text me when it's over? Oh, yeah, no, I'm not like most girls. I'm literally screaming and yelling and getting so pissed off um, while I'm on, like, ringside. Like, he um, had a fight in Miami once, and it was during the Miami Open. It was last year. And his coach and his trainer couldn't make it. So he had a buddy of his, and he had me be on in the ring and help him, like, you know, with water and, like, calling him off and, you know, one of the my favorite stories is, you know, he sits down, he looks at me, he's like, grab that towel, make sure you get the blood out of my face. I was like, oh, that's great. That's <laughs> really, that's awesome. So, you know, I'm always going to remember it, but I've seen him, uh, I saw him perform and win the biggest fight of his career, which was really a lot of fun. And it was the first time I'd ever seen him. So, uh, yeah, at first I was a little, you know, nervous, you know, but uh, after a while you just get into it and you just want to, you know, get up there and beat the crap out of the guy too. <laughs> get the blood out of my face is not a refrain we hear when coaches visit the changeovers uh, at, at WTA, <laughs> exactly. WTA events. Um, exactly. So I, I was thinking one of the one of sort of the offshoots of this this whole Maria Sharapova situation that came out was players commenting on, you know, did. Sharapova in the locker room and is she nice and who says hi and who doesn't say hi who's frosty and who's warm and I'm, I'm curious what, what is in, in your estimation especially as someone who's been to college and been part of a team what's how do you describe sort of the locker room culture in tennis uh well for me I mean I think I'm like known as one of the most you know bubbly I can talk to anyone kind of players on the tour um I've actually never really talked much with Maria I think once you know I asked her if you know this water was hers because it was in the way and that was about it <laughs> but um, like a boxer yeah she just you know it, it's tough because you know she can come off as standoffish and all that stuff but she's just she just keeps to herself and I, I still remember there was a reporter that asked her like you know like why doesn't she say hi or like why is she not friendly with the other girls in the tour and she straight up told him she's like why would I want to be friends with people that are trying to beat me? So in a sense, like I can understand where she's coming from and some people can be offended. Some people won't like, I just, I really don't give it much time of day. There's just so much other stuff that I need to be worried about than whether or not Maria is nice. No, I don't, I don't don't mean, I don't mean specific to Maria. I just mean in general. I mean, are your, are your friends tennis players? Do you, um, I mean, are, do, are these adversaries? Are these colleagues? Like, how, how do, I don't mean Maria specifically. I just mean in general. What's oh, how, okay. how, do you, yeah. how do you describe I mean, sort of the culture in the locker room? Honestly, like, I, I think I'm friends with absolutely every single American player. I, I know a lot of the foreign players. Like, I'm on the advisory board, so a lot of girls can come up to me and feel like they can talk to me about whatever it is that they might be feeling. So that's really rewarding, especially because, you know, we are we're all trying to compete. So... And they feel like that they can talk to me and all that stuff, and that's really great. And um, there's definitely a few girls, you know, who are really, really uh, uh, good friends off court. And then once we get on the court, you know, it's totally, you know, we're going to battle it out till the very last ball. 
And then at the end of it, you know, we give each other a hug, you know, grab a beer maybe the next day because it might still be fresh that day. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that there's definitely some camaraderie for sure. You ever think about playing uh, for Ecuador? You know, the Olympics are coming up. They're obviously in South America. You, you ever think about competing uh, for Ecuador? In your, had, had you thought about that earlier in your career? You know, John, I, I thought about it, but um, when I think of all the great stuff that's playing for the US, U.S., uh, when I think of all that, you know, I, I find it very hard to do, especially since I have given six years of my life playing for the U.S., you know. I can understand, you know, um, why some players would think it'd be, you know, fun to play for Ecuador because they really don't have anyone. So I for sure would play Olympics for Ecuador if I did, uh, you know, turn. But, um, no, I mean, I I play for the U.S. You you sound, uh, you seem very rational and down to earth. So I don't feel like I'm jinxing anything. You are on the verge of your career high ranking, which, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, what what's going to define success for you? I mean, this is a question I ask a lot of people in different contexts. I mean, what's what success mean to you? What's what's twenty sixteen is going to be a successful year if blank happens? Um, well, for me specifically, I want to be healthy at the end of the year. I don't want to get to off season and feel like I'm just absolutely broken down, and you know, I'm not going to like. I don't want to be not looking forward to the next year. I want to be, you know, healthy and still fresh even at the end of the year. I want to um put over six figures away. You know, my sister is a financial advisor. So anytime I make a check it goes to her and I don't out out of mind, uh, sorry, out of sight, out of mind. So go. I don't see it, you know, as long as, as I know that my retirement's going to be taken care of, that's important. And uh, last but not least, I mean, obviously my ranking, you know, that's that's all we really care about as tennis players, you know, ranking, ranking, ranking. So at the end of the year, you know, if I find the year top 50, I think that would be huge for me. Um, that's always been the goal. You know, people always tell me, you know, when I when I hit my career high, they're like, oh, you're so close to top 50. You're almost there. You're, you're I mean, just one, you're, you're practically there. You got this. And it's so much easier said than done. So, uh, yeah, I mean, top 50 for sure. And then who knows? It's 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 gravy from there. One good week, you can move into top 40, top 30, and then anything can happen. You, you check the rankings, but you, uh, you you mentioned prize money too. I mean, is is do you have financial stresses, or are you at the point where you, you can just sort of do your thing and, and figure the money takes care of itself, or are you looking at that prize money column along with your ranking? I actually never look at the prize money column. It's only after I win a match that my boyfriend tells me how much I made. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, it's uh, it's always nice to be able to get a win and get some cash for it. So uh, I'm not complaining there. <laughs> I like to be paid for our talents. What um, what else? You, I don't know. I'm, I, I was reading your WTA bio, which always I find greatly amusing. The other thing, too, about those bios people should know is that sometimes they ask those questions when players are – just starting out on tour, and then 10 years later, they haven't been refreshed. So uh, maybe Serena Williams' favorite movie is not anymore Silence of the Lambs. But uh, but anyway, I mean, your, your, yours was very entertaining. You like techno music. You like making movies. Um, what, what else? I don't know. What, what, what else interests you? What, what else are you all about? 
What else am I about? I'm a nerd. I'm I'm very tech savvy. You know, I can build a website from scratch. Um, when I was in sixth grade, I learned how to do uh, coding. Uh, what else? Yeah. I took a drawing class last semester and killed it and was able to do really well with it and impressed some of my peers with some of my drawings and didn't even know I had a talent for it. Um, I have a really nice camera. I'm actually an avid photographer. I'm taking a photography class right now as an elective, so I'm learning a ton of that. So any chance I get, like whenever I go anywhere, I always have my camera with me because you never know what you can what you can see with a lens. Um what else? What te- else? Te- techno music still doing just, it for you? Was your your media guy oh, bias? Yeah. Techno. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I usually, especially now, like in the European swing, I was say, techno you could go to, uh, is really like the only thing you listen to over here. You go to Ibiza, and uh, I love it. I mean, I'll crank it in the morning. I travel with a little speaker, so I'll crank it in the morning, and uh, you know, it really gets gets the juices going. <laughs> um. All right. This is this is great. I um. Pleasure. I'm, I'm thinking a former athlete who's uh, who knows coding and photography. If this tennis thing doesn't work out, we should talk. There, there, there may be, yeah. uh, we, there may be <laughs> um, a staff position you know, here in I'm, the future. I'm sure um, you probably have seen. I, I have blogged before for the New York Times. I have blogged for um, WTA? the Herald. No, it's not the Herald. Is it the Herald Sun for Australia? Yeah, right. Yeah, that yeah, sounds yeah. Right. 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 And um, what else? Yeah, I mean, I, I, there's a lot more to me than meets the eye. <laughs> we like to hear that. Enjoying life, and, and uh, on a um, on, on a serious note, we will um, we we will be providing links to uh, to the to the GoFundMe account you set up uh, for for the earthquake in Ecuador last week. But um, this was a lot of fun. Go to uh, see if you can duck away. You can take take one of those little uh, I forget the name of the airline. Take one of those value jet flights from Madrid to Ibiza for. Uh, for a night or two, you you've earned it. You've earned it with your first WTA title. Um, this was great. This is uh, you're you're on the again. You're on the verge of a career high ranking, and uh, early happy birthday. And with any luck, uh, stay stay a few weeks in uh, in Europe. With any luck, uh, se- second week of the French Open, we're uh, we're going to be looking for you. That's the goal. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. All right, we'll talk soon. Good luck. Thanks, Arena. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Take care. All right. That was Irina Falcone. Very nice to spend some time with her. We'll watch her results on the European clay stretch for the next few weeks, see if she can improve on her ranking, which is, again, on the verge of a career high. Uh, I'm John Wertheim. This is our producer, Jamie Lasanti. Thanks for listening. Send more suggestions. We have a a non-tennis guest lined up for next week that we will – announce when it's a little more official but i think you'll have a good time with that one um have a good week everyone we'll do it again in seven days take care